All right, so as I said um, earlier, I'm speaking about healing today, and we're doing this from now to the end of the term, which is about the 10th of July. Um, we're just looking at um, spiritual practices of, of doing um, the stuff. Um, doing the stuff comes from a saying from John Wimber, and uh, John Wimber was uh, one of the uh, sort of main people, he wasn't a founder of Vineyard, but he was one of like the main people in the Vineyard network, and he had this expression about doing this stuff, and, and I thought it'd be better to, um, to basically get you all in the DeLorean now and take you back, um, back to the past to listen to him himself to explain this, this expression, doing the stuff. As I read the New Testament, I fell in love with Jesus, didn't you? I liked him. I liked what he was like. I liked the things he did. I liked the things he said. Didn't you like those things? I thought that stuff was hot. I liked it when he multiplied the bread. Did you like that one? Huh? How about it? Did you like that one? And the fishes, you know, the sardines. I always picture sardines. I liked that stuff. I liked all that stuff, you know? I liked it when he went by the fig tree and said, mm, you know? <laughs> and it died. Can you picture him doing that? I like all that stuff. I like it. I remember last night, come forth. That's a biggie, you know? I mean, that's hot. There's not many guys doing that come forth thing, you know, telling anybody to come up from the dead. I liked all that stuff. And when I became a Christian, I thought that's what I was going to do. I spent several weeks reading the New Testament and talking with these people, and I thought, this is great. You know, I'm going to join up. I want to do this stuff. And so I remember the frustration of attending church the first few times. You know what I thought they did at church? I thought you, that people gathered at the church, had a good time together, sort of divvied up the land, and everybody went out and healed a few, cast out a few demons, and won a few people to Christ before lunch. And so the first few times I went to church, I went prepared with the idea that we're going to, you know, ha, I'm going to take Anaheim. I want to go to Anaheim, you know. The deepest, darkest pagan Anaheim. Over there by Disneyland. That's where I want to go. Because that's where I was raised. And when they didn't do it, I was disappointed. And I remember one day asking a guy about it. I said, well, when do we go out and do it? He said, what? I said, when do we go out and do it? He says, oh, you don't have to do it. You just have to believe it was done once. Now, that's pathetic. Isn't it? I found out over the next year or two that we cried about it, we sang about it, we preached about it, we prayed over it, we gave to it, but we never did it. We never got to go do the things that Jesus did. And I grew disillusioned in the process. Now, you know, when I worked for the devil, he let me do his stuff. Didn't he let you do his stuff? He let me do his stuff. But when I came to work for Jesus, they didn't want to let me do his stuff. And I, to tell you the truth, I joined up to do the stuff. Did you? You see, it's doing the stuff that's going to change the world. It's not knowing it was done once. It's not knowing that it's important. It's doing it that's going to change the world. Somewhere, someplace, somebody's got to start believing this book. 
passing on it. And I figure it might as well be us. We're qualified. And we understand that it can be done. Yeah, so there's uh, John Wimber. Um, I hope the kids enjoyed that uh, for the animation slide thing to sort of accompany his message. Um, but he's, he's preaching that back in sort of the 80s and stuff. But they had an interesting uh, thing, and it came from, I don't know if you heard it in that story, as he had become a Christian, he went along to a church, I think it was a traditional church, and at the end of the service, he, he actually said to the pastor, like he said, because he was just a freshly new-minted Christian, he'd read the book, he's Bible, he's familiar with these stories, and he's like, oh, when do we get to do this stuff? And, and that pastor had said to him, oh, oh well, we don't, you don't do this stuff, we just believe in it, like... We believe that it's done and that's enough. And I guess that's the heart of what we're trying to do with this little series as we're going along is we want to encourage you as a church because I think no matter if you're at a traditional church or even even if you're at a very charismatic church, there is a, there is a sense that we can all fall into this trap of just watching and believing but not doing, eh? So we can have a sense of like, yeah, we believe in the supernatural God that moves today but other people do it, or it's overseas, um, or it's not for me. But I, but I believe in it, but I won't do it. And so I guess, like with the prayer series, I'm, I'm encouraging you guys to, to put this into practice, to do these things. So at the end of this service today, we're going to put into practice healing, like actually praying for one another and believing to see some, some healing done in their midst. And so but I was saying all that, I also am aware that healing could be um, quite a triggering topic for a lot of people in good and bad ways. Um, I know that many of you have, may have seen incredible miracles and breakthroughs in prayer when people have asked for healing in desperate situations. And I'm also aware that there's many people here who may have prayed and prayed and not seen breakthroughs in situations. So I'm aware that this topic of healing, like many other sort of spiritual practices, can, can be quite triggering for us depending what our, our background is or what our experiences of this have been. So um, I just ask that you come into this today with just a really open heart and, and just be willing to just let Holy Spirit move in whatever way he needs to today. Well, when we talk about healing, um, there is essentially, we believe in a God that loves us, don't we? We believe in a God who cares about his humanity. And so, of course, this God wants to heal us. He's a good father. This is, this is his heart to heal the world. One of the names of God, um, there's many sort of these names that have from the Old Testament to Jehovah Rapha, which means the God who heals. And the word Rapha translates roughly to something like to completely make whole, to thoroughly mend and repair. And one of the names that are given to Jesus, um, particularly by the early church, was called the great physician. Jesus is the great doctor, this wonderful doctor who wants to heal and, and to make us whole. And the Greek word which is used, um, the root word which is used as the, as the basis, not only for getting saved, but also for any kind of healing, is the word sozo. Some of you might be familiar with that. There's even a ministry thing, I think it comes through Bethel, called Sozo Ministries. But this word is the same word 
for getting saved, like coming to faith in Jesus, as it is into a physical healing, uh, emotional healing, or spiritual healing. It's all the same. And I, I like the picture of that because that's what salvation is, isn't it? Because when we, if you look at the, the story, the creation story, at the beginning, everything was perfect, right? Like we didn't have sin, disease, or brokenness. We were in perfect union and relationship with God. And then because what we read about the fall through sin in Genesis 3, sin, brokenness, disease comes into our world. And then as we are saved by God, we are brought back into wholeness with God. It's the ultimate healing. And then, you know, then obviously we, we see physical healings, we see spiritual and emotional healings. So, as I said before, spiritual healing is, is the ultimate healing. Um, you know, in this lifetime, the most important healing you could ever experience is to encounter Jesus and to be healed by the process of coming into his relationship with him and into his kingdom. Um, it is, uh, I was listening to a, a talk recently by a speaker, and they were talking about at this big event, this conference where they were, um, you know, the guy said at the thing, he said, you know, the highlight of this conference and this week is the fact that people are going to give their hearts to Jesus. And, you know, everything's downhill from there, he said. You know, even if we see people walk out of wheelchairs and, you know, blind, uh, see sight and deaf are healed and all this sort of thing, everything is downhill. Not, not to say they didn't want those things or d- desperately desire those things, but the ultimate healing we have in this lifetime is the spiritual one of, of, of salvation, of, of entering into relationship with Jesus. So that is our ultimate healing. And then obviously, um, as many, the word often makes us think about this, it's often about, it is about physical healing. That, that there is a God who heals and people are healed. And, and I'm sure there's many people here who have experienced a physical healing or know of someone who has been physically healed by God healing them. It's, it's a wonderful thing that, is, that happens, and it, and, it, and it happens even today, but that God heals in a physical way. And then there's an emotional healing. Um, as, you, as you come to faith with Jesus, um, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that you've got in your heart and in your mind um, maybe stuff, ex- things you've gone through or experiences that you've had that have, um, that have hurt you or deformed you in ways, and the Holy Spirit can emotionally heal you, can't he? You've had ex- I'm sure there's many people here who've had experiences um, where they felt the Holy Spirit just break stuff off them, addictions, depression, um, stuff that they've been struggling with, um, things, wounds, unforgiveness, where, where the Holy Spirit just comes in and does a powerful work in your heart, and you're emotionally healed. And I, I believe that one's, a, that one's a daily one, I think, eh? Like, just keep coming back to the Father about things and keep, you know, yes, Holy Spirit, keep healing me of my wounds, of my brokenness. And then finally, um, it also encompasses deliverance, actually, as well. Um, so um, from demonic um, oppression or, or influence and things. Um, I'm not going to speak into that so much today because I'm going to speak about deliverance as its own thing about two weeks from now. Um, but it also encompasses that. that. That's also part of the healing. As we see in Jesus' ministry, not only is he um, physically healing people, he's casting out demons that are oppressing people. He's um, doing all sorts of healing. So it's not just this... I guess in our mind, we get in that focus kind of, oh, it's just about physical healing, but it's actually this all-encompassing thing of healing. 
So keep that in your mind as, as we carry on this morning. I just want to unpack a little bit from Mark uh, 1, verse 40 to 42, if you've got that in your Bible handy. So my papers go flying. Starting in verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him, Jesus, and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And this is a a fascinating uh, passage here in Mark because uh, this man... Um, had leprosy, and if you're familiar with uh, the time and place, um, he was considered unclean by the religious authorities of the day, and so there were certain rules about what him and the other lepers could do, and they had to um, sort of exclude themselves from society. Um, Sometimes they had to kind of make announcements or ring bells to say, "I'm, I'm clean, unclean, or something when they're going near people, so people know, oh yes, they've got leprosy, and there was a lot of rules around that you couldn't, you know, t- if you touched a person with leprosy, you would be unclean as well. So this is a, an interesting situation where this guy has leprosy, he's desperate, and obviously he is aware that Jesus can heal. He, somehow he knows, maybe through other people talking, or he's seen Jesus heal, but he knows that Jesus can heal, and so he he, he reaches out to Jesus, and there's a wonderful picture of really what we're doing when we're asking for healing, is there's a surrender to the Holy Spirit to be like, oh, Lord, heal me. Heal me. I need you. I'm desperate for you, God. Would you heal me? Would you break through in this situation? So this guy's on his knees, and, he's just, and he says a statement to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And uh, I've got the NIV version up there where it says, Jesus was indignant. And some of your Bibles will say he was moved with compassion or he had pity. Um, but I, I think, I, I like how it says indignant in the NIV because it's almost like the sense that it's like, Jesus is like, if I'm willing to make you clean, like if I'm willing to heal you, like Jesus is almost like, of course, of course I'm willing to heal. Like, of course I'm a good God. Of course I want to help you. I could see your situation. Of course I'm willing I almost sense that Jesus is it's almost like a, a frustration, but it's almost like a kind of, don't you know who I am? Don't you know how much I care? Don't you know that I want to break through in your situation there? I see your plight. I, of course I am willing to heal you. And I think that's the starting point when we think about healing. And I'll, I'll get into in a second a little bit of the complexity of the why it doesn't happen and sometimes it does is that the heart of God is, 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 is he wants to heal his children. He wants, his heart is from compassion for us. And so this, and we see this time and time again through the Gospels, that when people come up to Jesus, he heals them in a whole lot of different ways and different methods. So there's no formula really how to, to heal following Jesus' methods. But every time someone, you know, the, the woman who grabs out to his cloak, or, you know, somebody comes before him, he always is willing to heal when people ask him or he sees a situation. He usually likes to ask a question to people, but he generally, every time in the Gospels, he's healing people in their situations. Of course he is willing. That is his heart. But I'm also aware, as, as I say that, um, that many of you, as, as well as your experiences of healing, 
whether you've seen it happen or you haven't seen it happen. I'm also aware that many of you have grown up in different church environments. So um, with a lot of church things, we tend to often do black and white things. Like We tend to polarize between two extremes. And it's um, very common with the healing thing that people do this. So one extreme of, of people's view on healing is that they have a belief in, in many churches, and you may have grown up in this church environment, and this is not a slam on any churches, please hear my heart, I'm just describing the spectrum here, is that some people grew up in church environments where it was taught that at the end, when the apostles had done all their, all their work, when they'd sort of got the gospel going after Pentecost, or even when the Bible was completed, maybe a couple hundred years later, there is a belief that, the, that the, the works of the Holy Spirit, in a sense the gifts that we can use in power, ceased. And so many of you may have grown up in, in, in church environments where you were taught that that was for a, a time back then, but it's not for now, because we've got the Bible. Um, they did everything they needed to do in the power of the Spirit to get the church launched, but it ceased. And, and in many of those churches, people are known as cessationists because of the ceasing, like that they believe the Holy Spirit sort of ceased doing the work of the kingdom for that moment sort of thing in that way. It's a very, I've given a very crude example of it, and there's a lot more nuance to it than that. But it's generally, that's one of the positions that people have in many church. And look, we love everyone in the, in the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. It's, it's all the kingdom. Um, but I just, I just want to suggest that I, I think that's not helpful. Um, when it comes to healing or believing what Holy Spirit can do today. But then, on the other hand, there's another extreme, which is um, many of you may have been in church environments, tend to be more Pentecostal churches, um, where there has been a kind of a, almost like a thing that every single person should be healed. And if they're not healed, it's because they don't have enough faith or there's some sort of sin issue. And this is where it gets really nuanced, because sometimes there is issues... You know, there is a faith aspect that we have with healing, and sometimes there is stuff, sin issues that we have to confess. Um, but there is a reality that not everyone gets healed in this lifetime, right? So we, we do know situations where people get healed, and we do know situations where people don't. So I just want to suggest um, that there is a perhaps a, a better way of, of understanding this. And uh, it's called often sort of like kingdom theology, and it's um, sometimes described like this, the already and not yet, or the now and not yet. You may have heard this in church environments. It's not the, um, it's not the either or of those two extremes, but it's the both and. Um, as you can see on this chart here, you've got two ages. You've got this age that we, we're still part of. So this is, this is the human history. Uh, and, and on that chart, you've got the first coming of Christ, You've got the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which I spoke about last week at Pentecost, and you've got Jesus' resurrection. And we're part of that line. We're, we're part of this age that is continuing. But we also know and also believe that there is an age to come, right? So we know, whatever your end times theology is, everyone all agrees that at some point Jesus will return. And then there will be a general resurrection of the dead and we'll have a new heavens and new earth. And then all sickness, disease and, and brokenness will be taken away. Hallelujah. And we look forward to that day. But this is, this is the really interesting part and just the classic kind of um, thing with Christian faith is that it's, it's both and. So when Jesus came, he proclaimed the kingdom of God 
And he, um, he embodied the kingdom of God by actually healing people, by setting them free, by doing stuff. So, and he often spoke about the kingdom is here. He said the kingdom is within you, the kingdom is now. But he also talked at the same time, he started talking about an age to come. So he's also talking about, yes, the kingdom is now, but there's also a not yet that we haven't fully realized. And this is what happens in same with salvation. When you are saved, you come into relationship with Jesus now, but there's also a moment at the end where we will be, we will be resurrected in these new resurrection bodies where, in a sense, we'll be saved again, like as we go into, the king, into this age to come. So it's the now and the not yet. And this is the really frustrating thing for us as humans, eh? Because we want things to be black and white, don't we? It's so easy just to go to one extreme or the other. But it's living in the now and not yet. It's the middle. And there's like a tension between these, thing, these two things. And it's, it's so, like anything in life, it's hard to be in the middle, isn't it? You feel the tension of that. And healings, just like any miracles are signs of the kingdom or that age to come breaking through, a foretaste of that age to come breaking through. So when we see, when we see healings and miracles, we, it's, 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 that, it's the scene, the kingdom of God breaking through into situations. And so as we live in that tension, we still contend for God. And I think one of the problems for us is, um, you know, Vineyard's... Pr- pretty much a charismatic church, um, is, is that we can believe in these things, but because we don't always see them all the time, we can almost become like functional cessationists. So we can believe it, but because we're not seeing it, or we just sort of, oh, it's in God's hands, we just, we just don't contend for these things, and we don't keep pressing in to see healing and to see breakthrough in situations. And, and I, I, for me, that has been so helpful in that sense that I'm like, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, God. That's what we're praying when we're praying into situations. I had an interesting thing about, it was about two weeks ago, we had Glenn France here, and he was speaking about yielding, about surrendering to God. And I felt like Holy Spirit said this to me really um, strongly during the ministry time. He said this thing about, Nick, you've got to surrender outcomes to me. He said, Nick, you've got to surrender outcomes to me. And, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but I kind of want to know what's happening in the future. I kind of want to know, I want to work things out. I want to make situations work. I want things to be, you know, get into place and work out. And and I'll do it through all my human strength. And I felt like there was just a a word from the Holy Spirit there, like, Nick, you have to surrender outcomes to me. And so it doesn't mean I don't do anything. Like, I continue to, you know, know, co-labor with God like we all do. But at the end of the day, outcomes are in God's hands, aren't they? And so we, we contend for these things, but we say, look, this, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this situation. And a, a helpful quote that's helped me with the, the frustration of that at times is from Philip Yancey, which he said, faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Faith means believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. And I've seen, I've seen this in my own life. Um, my daughter Lovey, um, when she before she was uh, one years of age, um, she failed um, all those hearing tests that you that you have to do with little babies when they're you know going through those sort of different milestones that they do. And so you know she kept failing these tests, and after each one we were kind of like, okay, well maybe it's just a 
fluid or something, maybe it will come right, maybe it will come right, you know, you just sort of don't want to think the worst of you as a parent. And so we keep, you know, just praying and then just hoping it would sort of sort itself out. And then, it, you know, she got almost up to like one years of age and stuff and it was still, yeah, really not, the, 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 she wasn't, she was failing those tests. And um, we actually had, um, it was a, 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 she got prayed for a couple of times by um, two different lots of people at our um, old church and a church down at my parents' church and uh, she was healed. Um, she was healed. Her healing came right, and she was able to, you know, as you know, Lovey today, she's very good at talking, and uh, <laughs> she's very social. She hears everything. She, she, she definitely hears everything, especially when I'm over on the other side of the house saying something. So she, her, she's had a, a miracle of healing. And that is an example of the kingdom is now, because the kingdom of God broke through in that situation, and I'm so grateful. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Um, but I also live with, with some of that um, the kingdom is not yet. Uh, I've spoken many times about my brother Greg. He is um, autistic, but he is, is, is not just like some sort of maths genius or good at um, going to a casino or something. He's, uh, he's almost like a 39-year-old in a two-year-old body. He's far on that extreme of, of that autism spectrum, and he lives in a home. Um, he needs care all the time. And uh, he comes and stays with us. He's coming this week. And uh, when he's staying with me... Um, uh, I have to shower him and put his clothes on and stuff. And I always, I always joke with him, not that he responds, but I always go, I'll be like, you'll thank me one day in heaven. You'll thank me on the other side of this, you know, like as I'm doing, you know, buttoning up his, you know, PJs or, you know, giving him a shower. It's very hard to shower an adult man who doesn't, like, comply. You're sort of just like, turn around. <laughs> and and it, I live with this reality that he's not healed in this lifetime that on the other side of in the age to come, I will talk with him. We'll probably laugh about some of that stuff, that he owes me so many milkshakes and pies and sausage rolls and coffees that I have paid for. <laughs> he owes me big time in the age to come. I live with that not yet, and many of you guys do as well, eh? The not yet, that, that some things, for whatever reason, and I do not know, it's a mystery, I don't have all the answers for that, but there isn't a, a thing of, of the not yet that we live with in this lifetime. But we still keep contending for these things. John 14, verse 12, and I'm just sort of coming into the land here now. Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So, you know, Jesus healed all the time. And, and the Gospels are just a snapshot of, of three years of ministry there's probably other healings that didn't make it in there. He was healing all the time. And then he says these incredible words in John 14, verse 12, that we're going to do even greater things than him in his name. And so we know that this is, a, this is a, like a commandment from Jesus to, to go and do this, to heal, to, to be, embody his kingdom. And I want to suggest um, just, a, just a few few pointers to, to help us to do that well. But before I sort of go into those points, I just want to invite uh, Kate up, if she doesn't mind. 
Uh, Kate's just going to share a, a testimony of, of healing, just to um, build the faith in here this morning. No pressure. <laughs> okay, so about three years ago, I began developing joint pain and nerve pain. Um, I also suffered from tiredness. I prayed. I had people pray for me. But I don't think I really truly believed that Jesus could heal me. The doctors healed me. Um, Why would Jesus heal me? What's so special about me? Um, However, three months ago, I got on my knees and I prayed and I cried. I prayed for about two hours I commanded to God that I do not deserve this pain. I do not want this pain. I commanded the spirit of pain and illness to leave me. Um, Now, this is only three months ago. Now, I was on five tablets of medication to help me with my pain relief. The doctors were pushing for me to have another painkiller. That had lots of side effects, and I was telling the doctors, I don't want it. And this was going on for about a year. Now, I'm not on any pain relief at all. I occasionally get... um, Yeah, because we were talking about it last week. I was on one tablet, and I've just come off that. Um, I occasionally get the little pain in my legs, and I command God. I'll be at work, and I can feel this pain, and I command God to get rid of that pain. I do not want the pain. I do not deserve this pain. I am not having it. And it feels good. And I truly believe, it is the true belief in myself, that I am worth not being in pain. I am God's daughter, and he is the true healer. Go, God. (laughs) Thanks, Kate. Um, Something um, I asked her to share that, because she shared it with me during our... um, we were doing the prayer course on Wednesday nights, and, and the thing that really struck me about what she shared there was that she kept contending, she kept pressing in. Um, sometimes we, are, you know, sometimes, like, like I said, we do that functional cessationist thing where we just kind of like, oh, I prayed the prayer, I'll, I'll give up now, sort of thing, nothing's happened, um, it's in your hands, God kind of thing. But it's almost a sense of keep pressing, there is a perseverance that we need to do. Sometimes we won't see the breakthrough in this lifetime, but there are some things we really just need to persevere in. And I just want to suggest some things that are helpful for, for, for creating an environment for healing. And one of those is getting into a faith environment. So sometimes we need to borrow the faith of others, and so to speak. Um, sometimes we need, you, know, you need one another to lift your faith, um, to believe for things. Um, sometimes, especially in a situation where there, there hasn't been breakthrough in a situation, sometimes the family and friends around, um, they need other people who haven't been walking through all that to come in and bring faith to help people. And so that means one of the most important things you can do with this is to get around other Christians who are going to help lift your faith and you can help borrow some of their faith to believe for some breakthrough that you're looking for. And so that's why it's so important on like, coming to church on Sunday and what we're going to be doing in a minute when we're going to actually do this is that we're in a faith environment right here, eh? Like we're all believers and we believe that the Holy Spirit can move and we, we join in together to see God move in, a, in this faith environment. Secondly, we invite the Holy Spirit. You know, we don't heal people per se ourselves. It is the Holy Spirit that does it. 
You know, a best analogy of that is in some regards, it's almost like we're waiters at a table and we're, we're going to people and we're getting their orders. Oh, yeah, right, you've got a, a bung knee, you've got a sore back, you've got um, some sort of um, depression, you've got what's going on with you. Okay, cool, I'm going to take it to, to the chef. He's going to make the meal and I'll bring it out to you and give it to you. You know, the, the Holy Spirit's the chef and we're the waiters, we're the, the conduits or the of God's grace and he uses us as his hands and feet to to, to pray for people and to to pass things on Um, but it is ultimately him who does it eh? so that he gets the glory Um, we are just conduits of his grace into situations so it's inviting the Holy Spirit in which we'll do in a minute and then it's asking God um, so how often do we charge into situations without even asking God like Father what are you doing here? Holy Spirit, what's, what's happening here? Like, what should we be praying into here? What images or scriptures or pictures are we seeing here? Often we just charge in like, you know, storm the heavens and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, just take a moment just to hear what God wants to do in this situation with this person or this family or whatever is going on. Asking the Holy Spirit, what are you doing here? How can we pray? What things do we need to pray? Because sometimes the Holy Spirit will give you insights into what's going on. Remember, it's not all, you know how we talk about the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional, and even um, the demonic and stuff. Sometimes these things are intertwined. They're not just localized to one thing, like a physical thing. Sometimes they've got other aspects going on as well. And so sometimes it's really helpful to ask Holy Spirit, what's going on for this person? And then the Holy Spirit deposits something into your mind, like, oh, this is going on for them. Oh, they've got this going on in their heart. Oh, you know, pray into that. And, and then they'll start seeing healing in lots of different areas as we're obedient to the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, pray specifically. Um, you know, too often we pray very general prayers, don't we? Oh, heal them, Lord. Um, thinking of you, you know, healing sort of, you know, big general kind of ones. But pray specifically to get specific answers. So, you know, if someone's got a sore elbow or something, Lord, we... Lord, we pray healing into that elbow, Lord, into the, the muscles and into the sinews, into the bones, into the connecting tissues. Lord, um, if someone's got depression, Lord, we pray into their mind. Lord, we pray for uh, renewing of their mind and, and, their, and their spirit and their heart and their mind. Like we, we pray specifically into situations to see specific results. Um, as I finish, um, I'll just call Tui up. Last thing I just sort of want to uh, finish on before we, um, we actually do this is um, John Wimber had this other expression where he said um, about the gifts of the Spirit and about us doing these things, doing the stuff. He said everyone gets to play. Uh, too often in church environments, we see people as the um, maybe pastors or visiting speakers or sort of anointed spiritual people They're the only ones who can pray for people because they've got the anointing. And yes, there are people who have kind of a a special kind of, um, in certain areas, they seem to have a real strength for maybe prophetic or for sometimes some people are, you know, got a real strength in some area. But everyone can actually do this. And that's what John Wimber, that was one one of the vineyard values is everyone gets to play. Like we all get to be a priesthood of all believers to um, minister to one another. So we can all pray for these things. Uh, Mike Pilavachi says, um, just having a little riff on that, everyone gets to play, he says, um, but we have to play nicely and share the toys. 
Oh, I like that. Um, so it's about just being a community together, praying for one another and believing for breakthroughs and contending.